Welcome to Broken Catholic, the number one Catholic voice in America. On this show, I talk about the important things that no one else is talking about, like why the world isn't working right now. The Protestant Reformation is over. Christians now have more commonalities than differences, yet evil is spreading and the enemy is winning because we're still fighting each other over self-righteous labels and high-level theology. If you disagree with me, then you're part of the problem. Listen, as Christians, we're all baptized into God's family. We all want heaven, and we all struggle with the same human brokenness. United we stand, divided we fall, it's that simple. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist who was almost murdered twice. But God spared me because he had a higher purpose for my life. My mission is to unify Christians everywhere. This show was created for you, the person who wants to be accepted and loved and reminded that God has a higher purpose for your life. Let's get started. Today, my featured guest is Layla Miller. You can find her at LaylaMiller.net. Let me spell Layla because she's tricky like that. It's L-E-I-L-A Miller.net, LaylaMiller.net. She's a Catholic writer, blogger, and author. She's the author of a book called Primal Loss, The Now Adult Children of Divorce Speak. She also wrote a book called Raising Chase Catholic Men. And her latest book, co-authored with Trent Horn of Catholic Answers, you probably know of him. He's a popular Catholic apologist. Uh, that, that book is entitled Made This Way, How to Prepare Kids to Face Today's Tough Moral Issues. We're going to get into that book a little bit today because that's a conversation I'm just curious about. Now, let me tell you a little more about Layla. She's appeared on EWTN numerous times. She's been widely featured on the pages of Catholic um, evangelical and secular print media, and on radio as well. Her first blog, Little Catholic Bubble, ran for eight years, and her new blog can be found at LaylaMiller.net. Layla and her husband, Dean, have eight children, like any good Catholic, eight children. I think seven's the minimum if you're a good Catholic. I'm just joking. Their ages are 27 to 9, and they have several grandchildren. They live in Phoenix, Arizona, my old stomping grounds, where I made a lot of poor choices and did my prodigal son years. Okay, now that that's out of the way, Layla, welcome to Broken Catholic. Go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that right. intro, would you? Well, thank you, Joseph. Well, first I wanna know, you, you used to live in Phoenix? Scottsdale, Arizona, yes. Okay, that's right, I'm right on the border of Scottsdale. My parents and my sister live in Scottsdale, so wow. Five years of partying hard, semi-retired. I did well in business, yes. There's a lot of good, I, there's a lot of partying in Scottsdale, yes. <laughs> and a lot of businessmen in Scottsdale. So, wow, well, that's great. I didn't know that about you. Um, let's see, well, what about me? I, yeah, so I, I, I partied. Um, yeah, my, my early years were in Tucson, Arizona, and then I went off to school at Boston College. And uh, during my kind of late high school and college years, I did the, I did what most people who were poorly catechized do, which is you fall off the rails, morally speaking, for many, many years. And because uh, I, I grew up as a cradle Catholic, I, I was, you know, we never missed mass or any of that. But I didn't know anything. Uh, and then uh, I married a wonderful agnostic Jewish guy, Dean. Still my husband, I think this, uh, well, I don't think, I know that this month we will be married 29 years. And uh, six years into our marriage, 
um, I had a reversion experience and at the same time, thank you, Lord, it was really quite a miracle. My uh, Jewish agnostic husband had a conversion. And so um, we both became, he became baptized and, and confirmed and all that. And I uh, came back into the faith and almost left for a Bible church type thing. Uh, all right, let me after, pause you right yeah, there yeah, because yeah, that's ahead. a big moment. Yeah. Okay? And, and this show is all about me inviting guests like you onto mm. the show to discuss what has God been doing in your life? Mm. And I bring on atheists, I bring on agnostics, right? And they deny God exists, etc. But they can't deny that there's a power greater than them. So mm -hmm. we speak about that power and then we connect it to God. And eventually they realize, oh my gosh, it's God. I was just denying <laughs> it because of childhood issues and trauma, right? So yes. let's go there for a second and let's speak about that. What shifted in your life for you to have that conversion? And then what shifted, shifted in your husband life, husband's life for him to have that conversion? Like what was going on in your life right now? What was God moving around? Mm -hmm. Both. Oh gosh, so much. So uh, long story short, uh, it'll go back 10 years previous or, or back to when I was in college. Uh, I, I went to a Jesuit university, Boston College. There were seeds planted at that time with one or two of my professors. I had some pretty bad professors, but then there were a couple who really taught the truth. And so I took a Catholic theology of marriage course. The old Jesuit uh, said some really unpopular things, which I thought was I thought they were amazing because they made sense to me. It had to do with uh, human sexuality and um, the church teaching on contraception and, and just marriage in general. And I thought, oh, well, that kind of makes sense, but I'm not ready to actually go along with any of that. So uh, fast forward, I'm married. Um, we have three kids. Uh, my husband's about to have a vasectomy and we're done you know, and with kids. And so I, I, um, I used to joke, oh, well, I can't do it because it's against my religion. I can't get sterilized, but you can. Um, long story short, in, in the ensuing few months, uh, my friend who had been a radical feminist, so there's all this stuff, right? So she had been a radical feminist. She had been raised Episcopalian, went through all the religions. She had had this moment of grace conversion back into Christianity and was going to a Bible church. I was gonna go with her because I didn't like the Catholic church that I was sporadically attending. Uh, I was gonna go with her. I, uh, this is all now, you know, between the time we decided we're done having kids. Um, and then I decided I'm gonna go become this Bible Christian. And one night, and my third child had, was gonna be baptized soon. My mom had, had driven up from, I was in Phoenix now, my mom had driven up from Tucson, spending the night with us. And I said, I think I'm going to leave the Catholic Church and become a Bible Christian. And she said, I think you need to find out what you're leaving before you leave it. Ooh. And those words changed not only my life, <laughs> but my husband, my friend who had been going to the Bible Church, she ultimately became Catholic. Her husband converted, her parents converted, um, her grandma converted. I mean, there's just a bunch of things that happened. And then I started to teach the Catholic faith because my mom followed up that statement. And by the way, my mom's a convert herself. She followed up that statement with, ironically, now that we look back 25 years, uh, a book from Catholic Answers, which was Carl Keating's uh, Catholicism and Fundamentalism. So she followed that. I had never heard of the Catholic apologetics. I'd never heard of it. Never. Mm -hmm. So uh, I was sunk. After that, I was done. I was all in. My husband, who was a, um, you know, again, this agnostic Jewish guy, started listening to my conversations with my friend 
because she was still way on board with the Reformation and Protestantism and all that, he started listening to our conversations and got really interested. And then one night I showed him, because we, my friend and I had just discovered all the Old Testament prefigurements of Christ. I showed Dean some of these passages from Isaiah, the suffering servant. Um, I think it was also Psalm 22. Um, and I said to him, who does this look like? And he was still connected enough to his Jewishness to kind of be proud of the Old Testament and all that. And when he read those passages, he kind of looked at me almost with this fright. And he said, that sounds like Jesus. And from then on, it just was kind of this rapid fire conversion and reversion. And then he didn't go ahead with the vasectomy and we had five more kids and, you know, everybody started converting right and left and I'm teaching RCIA and I'm, you know, it was crazy. So that's the why short do, version. Why do you think he, <laughs> that, first of all, beautiful story and right, it, and I say beautiful in that, I mean, beautiful what God did in okay. the brokenness of our humanity. Right? Oh, yes. How we show up with God, if we just give God an access, just one little crack in our broken hearts is all God needs That's to right. pour his love and truth into us, right? And you, your mom created the access. She yes. hit the crack with that question. Hey, maybe you should find out what you're leaving before you leave. Yes. That's so, so wise. What a wise yeah. woman was, right there. Amazing. It was, yeah. it was the Holy Spirit. It is very clear that that was the Holy Spirit speaking. And, you know, how did I get to age 27 or so? And, and, you know, my mom and I had never had that conversation before. I'd never thought about it before. And then boom, one sentence. Well, of course, you know, it just kind of cleared the fog. And then you realize, oh, oh, there's, there's a path here that I need to take. I need to, I need to find what is true. Um, I find so, this yeah. so fascinating, Layla, because uh, there's so many people I work with, uh, I do spiritual coaching, right? So a lot of my clients, they're Catholics, they're Christian, Protestants, right? Some are agnostics, et cetera. And many of them, or most of them were raised with faith, mm -hmm. but they've fallen away. They were in that stage that you were in at age 27 and they don't know why they left. It was just kind of like a slow numbing process or being coming desensitized or uh, listening too much to the lies of the enemy through popular society terms and all this stuff. And they didn't know their faith right. and they don't know their faith. And I'm like, listen, there's so much beauty that you're missing. Let's, let's yeah. look into it just a little bit before you make all these bold claims against God, against his church on planet earth, right? And, and when we just open up that crack just a little bit, hey, are you willing to say this prayer? And I give a lot of my clients a, a, a very starter beginner prayer. And it goes like this, Layla, and I think you're gonna like this. It says, I say, say this, Father, right? First off, speak to your heavenly oh. Father, because so many people, they, especially Protestants, they pray to Jesus, but they leave the Father out. Oh. And I'm like, who did Jesus come to show us? And they're the like, Father. The Father. I'm like, so if Jesus' entire ministry was for us to see the Father, why do we keep stopping at Jesus? He's uh -huh. the doorway. Why are we not going through him to the Father? Most of us have childhood father wounds. Who do you think can heal us? The Father. So the enemy is totally happy, in my opinion, with us stopping at Jesus uh -huh. and not going to the Father. Because who does the enemy hate more? Oh. The Father. The father is the one that threw him out of heaven, right? The father yes. is the one who had the plan for humanity. 
So the enemy is like out to, out to hurt the father. And if he can make the father, our heavenly father's children, us believe that God is not a good father yes. and he's not trustworthy, right. then the enemy wins. And then this is where we stop a lot. So I give them this prayer and it goes like this. It says, father, show me how much you love me in a way that even I can't deny. Wow. And then I say, pray that for the next 10 days. And here's the secret. Believe that God actually will show you how much he loves you. Mm. Be aware. Look for him in your life. He, pr- he will show up. He just needs the access of your will right. for you to ask him. Give him permission to show up in your life and God will show up. Layla, what shows up for you in hearing that? Oh, gosh. Well, what, what you're saying, I, it, it brings to mind... I mean, you're exactly right. The fatherhood of God, uh, St. John Paul II actually said that um, what Satan is trying to do always and what he tried to do in the garden was to deny the fatherhood of God, was to get us to deny and sever ourselves from his fatherhood. If, we, if, if he's not father, then Satan wins. And not even deny, I just said to question. Mm-hmm. If yes. he gets us to question, yeah. denial will yeah. eventually happen. Yes. yes. Please continue. Right, which is exactly why, um, not even to segue to the book, I mean, we didn't have to talk about a book, this book. This is, this is great. Uh, all of this stuff that we're seeing in the culture ultimately is about the denial of God the Father, of his fatherhood. Boom. Boom. Every part of it. I mean, even that, you know, the, 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 the denial of male and female. Well, if you de- what, what's the point of that? Well, that's what Satan was, again, trying to do. It's all back to the garden, you know, denying uh, the creation uh, of male and female. Um, why? Well, then you don't have fatherhood. And if there's no male and female, you don't have fathers and mothers. You don't have fathers. God can't be a father. I mean, all of this kind of goes back to that. So, yeah, the father wounds and, and everything. You're right. And, and it's, it's one thing to kind of see Jesus as your buddy, your brother, you know, that's kind of benign. I don't think, you know, the evil one is worried about that kind of thing because, you know, everybody just is buddies with Jesus. But right, to go a little further and to get to the Father and to call him Father and know that the Father loves you. Uh, yeah, he, he, the evil one can't abide that. that that's a very, that's, that's where we, that's where we win and he loses. So I love it. And, and I'll give you a quick story here. Um, I have some uh, people close to me and they are Protestant and they were, uh, one or two of them were, um, they would watch me uh, speak on my Facebook lives that I do often uh, speak about the father and God, the father. And I kept referencing the father and I would reference Jesus occasionally. Right. And they uh, called me out one day and they're like, Joseph, how do you know that you're even a Christian? And I was like, what? I don't understand the question. Well, how do you know that you're even a, a Christian? Because like you're always talking about the father and your heavenly father, but you're not saying Jesus. So are you a Christian? Like, and, and that was fascinating to me how the enemy came in, you know, in the voice of people who are caring, good people. And, and the, the enemy will use people to attack us, to poke at us. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you know you're a Christian? How do you right. know? Right. And the enemy always attacks our identity as sons right. and daughters of the father. Mm-hmm. So how do you know you're a Christian? How do you know you're even a follower of Jesus? Cause you're speaking about the father more than, the, than Jesus. And I just find that fascinating how the enemy wants us away from the father more than anything. Wow. 
Wow. And, and that's an interesting question they asked of you because the only way you have a father is in relationship to, you know, sonship. So of course you would be a Christian because Jesus is the son of the father. Yes. So he's only father in relationship to, we know that there's a son. So it, yes. it doesn't make any sense that you would even, but yes. that's, so, that's, that's interesting that you're right with the question that, and that becomes, um, you know, almost this doubt or this accusation that's coming in because you are, you know, so. Because you, so, we're taking the next step. That's why, Layla. Uh -huh, uh -huh. We're going through Jesus to the Father, which is why Jesus came. Right. And I think most of the Christian world has not embraced this yet. Right, right. That's a very, very good um, point. And even the liturgy, I mean, think about it. Everything is, yes. you know, through Christ to the Father. Yes. So, wow. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Isn't that something? All that right, is. let's talk about our kids, all right? Because oh we got this book, Made This Way, and this is, we're going to connect our Heavenly Father to it, right? Because mm -hmm. it's all about fathering. Oh, we gosh, have broken yeah. kids because we have broken uh, homes, and we have broken homes because we have broken men who are not taking responsibility and being fathers in the home. They're abandoning the children. The children are getting these father wounds of abandonment, of abuse, of molestation, right? The list goes on and on. And now they have become a generation that's in front of us of wounded children that are crying out for help, I believe. Someone see me. Does anyone see yes. me? Speak to me about that connected to your book, Made This right. Way. Well, you're right. I mean, they're unprotected. First of all, you have, you know, what, what is a father for? A father protects, a father loves, mm -hmm. a father guides, but a, but a father is the protection. And so you have fatherless children, you lose that protection of the children. The, the children are naturally and, um, you know, in, uh, from, from the beginning that they're supposed to have. That's, that's, that's justice. They're supposed to have the protection of a father. I'm, I'm not going to let the women off the hook either because the women these days, we live in a very feminist society, the women do not respect manhood and fatherhood anymore either. Mm. So, and they want to say, well, everything's just the same. You know, we're all the same. No, we're not the same. Um, men are, and I love my, my bishop, uh, Thomas Olmsted, put out a great um, exhortation to men uh, called Into the Breach. And that talks of the fact that a man is to be the protector and the provider of a family. So that protection is something that fathers do. And we know, I mean, even from the church scandals and such, we know that uh, the, the children are more vulnerable when they're from families that don't have a father. Absolutely. When and the father it's like, is not there. And, and, and think about all these young boys growing up without dads or good dads, right? right. Meaning godly men who put God first, the, their wives second, and then themselves mm -hmm. third or fourth, right? So if they're growing up without a model of who God is as a, uh, sorry, let me back up for a second. If they're growing up without even a good model of human fatherhood, right. and the church is not even speaking about God the Father, mm -hmm. well, now we have a breakdown of, well, what does it mean to be a man? Mm-hmm. Right? How do, as a young boy, how are they growing up to know what it means to be a good man, a godly man? Right. And, and boys need a path to manhood. And they need another man to show them the path to manhood. Mm. A mother, I, I, love, I, I love the writer Anthony Esselin, and he always says that, you know, you can't, a woman can't show a young boy how to be a man. It's just not, it's not possible. Um, we can try our best to encourage him in his manhood, but if, uh, if there are not men there to show good men, to show him the way to manhood, we have a big problem. 
so a lot of this is, you know, this this book is called Made This Way, and and it's kind of a play on the cultural, you know, idea that oh well, gay people are made that way or God made them that way. But actually, God made things a certain way. He he has a created order, and if we follow and go according to that created order, which we can call the natural law, um, you know, if we use a thing according to its nature, things tend to flourish. You know, if we use a thing against its nature, things tend to fall apart. And that includes, um, you know, we, we know that with the things we create, like if I create uh, a comb or a, a watch or something, it's meant to be used a certain way. A comb is meant to brush your hair, a watch is meant to tell time. If I try to use a comb as a watch or a watch as a comb, it's not gonna work well. And even little kids can understand this. You could say if I tried to sew a button on, if mommy tried to sew a button on with a, a spaghetti noodle instead of a needle, how would that go? And every kid would laugh and say, that's not going to work. You know, this is very simple concepts. So if you use a thing according to its design or how it was created. Well, God created things with a certain order as well. It's his created order. If we use things according to the way he, he created them, things, things will tend to flourish. And that includes ourselves. You know, human beings were made a certain way. Our bodies were made a certain way. Um, our souls were made a certain way. If we use things according to our nature, including ourselves, we're going to have a better chance of being who God intends us to be. And so that's really what the whole book is, because the culture has just turned that on its head and told all kids. This is what drives me crazy. These poor kids are so confused. They're being born into a culture where, number one, they may not have an intact family. They don't have... They don't have an identity, this foundation of marriage where they're looking at this marriage and they're seeing the way God created male and female and a marriage. Again, a marriage was the first thing in the garden human relationship that he created. So they don't see that example. They don't see what it's like to be a man or, or a woman in a, in a marriage. But then they also um, don't have the backup of the culture anymore. Because it used to be if you're a kid born into a, a less than ideal circumstance, the culture would at least then fill that vacuum and 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 back that kid up and, and make that kid realize, oh, but there are these examples of what marriage is and, and this is what we're going for. You know, we're going for this. Even it's that old saying, you know, it takes a village to raise a Yes, child. yes, exactly. So you've got this uh, village that always was there to back up wherever the, the, the weak spots were, the breaks or the brokenness. But now we don't have that at all. Now we have the exact opposite, which is the culture saying none of this matters at all. Marriage doesn't matter. Men and women, female, male, doesn't matter. None of it matters. So where and does that leave our children? They are, well, let's look at the suicide rates. Let's look at the, you know, how, how much they're, they're cutting. You know, girls are cutting. Let's look at the, um, what is it? The disconnectedness of the, um, uh, the, the draw and the pull towards the LGBTQ communities, which provide family, quote unquote, stability, unconditional love, I mean, we've got these kids who are looking for uh, identity. They're looking for foundations, and they don't have them the way that God wants them to have them. So they're going elsewhere, and they're so confused, and everything is very dark. And so you've got a very dark situation for kids today, and, and it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. I mean, as a mother, I'm just heartbroken looking around. I, there's a heaviness and a darkness over this generation that wasn't there when I was – even when we were sinning in the 80s, I mean, there's a lot of sin, a lot of sin, but there wasn't that kind of oppressive darkness 
that I see on the kids today. So. I, yeah, I really get that. And I, one thing I do on my show, I don't want to leave this in the dark spot, you know, like, right. oh, here's the problem, man, the world doom and gloom, the enemy's winning, darkness is everywhere. Right. You know, right. I really want to bring this around broken Catholic nation, BC nation, that what do we do about this? You know, what does it look like? Because I think, Layla, you and I are of the same mind that the problem the world has right now, if we had to put it into one word, is an identity problem. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's the identity of sons and daughters of God the Father, created mm -hmm. in his image and likeness according to a specific design and order like you worded it. And the enemy has done a mind F on all of us and society that God is not a good father. He possibly doesn't even exist. And even if he did, does exist, you can't trust him. Right. Right. Yes. And you can be like gods. And this is why we have a worship of self, uh, sorry, uh, an era or generation of self idolatry. Yes. Right. It's like, oh, I'm my own God. It's my own universe. I'm my inner goddess, you know, inner divinity and all this other self love. Mm -hmm. And it sounds good, self love. And I, I was down at the store to, uh, a few days ago, and they're wearing the T-shirts in one of my uh, favorite sandwich shops that says, love is love, it, love is love, is love is love, is love is love with the rainbows. And I turned to one of them and I said, what does that even mean? Mm. And they're like, love is love. I was like, yeah, but that doesn't mean anything. So what, is, what does it mean to you? Well, it just means that love is love. Like, love is love. I was like, that's like oh. saying you know, stone is, you know, rock, like, okay, what does that do? That doesn't say anything. And, and we're buying into all these lies with fancy words and flattery and self love. And that's what the enemy is known for. So wrap this all around for us. We're in an identity crisis as human beings. Uh -huh. identity broken from our heavenly father, our creator. So the creature is broken now uh, in the understanding I come from someone bigger, uh -huh. right? And I have a purpose. So what do we do with this in your opinion, Layla? Like what do we teach our kids rather than duck our heads in the sand or, uh -huh. you know, how do we get out there? What do we say to our own children starting in our own homes to combat and go against the lies of the enemy right now? So truth is a big thing for me. So truth, truth is where it starts. And, and, and that is, uh, you know, truth existed before any of us existed. So um, there's something that St. Ignatius said uh, that was uh, peace of mind comes first, and then you can have peace of heart. And the peace of mind comes from knowing what is true. So you have to have some knowledge first. And then once you know what is true, you can know God, you can know him through his revelation, you can know what he gave us, and then you can do his will because you then know what his will is. So your peace of heart will come after you have this peace of mind. What we've done is we've started with feelings and everybody just kind of feels, but they're not grounded in anything at all. So what, what we do, what I've done with my kids and has always seemed to work really well, is you teach the truth. You teach the truth to children when they're young because they can understand, again, the created order. Like, well, you know, this is, this is why this happens because, um, uh, you know, God made us this way and this is what will make us happy because he wants us to be happy because he, made, he designed us this way. And so um, if we teach the truth of the created order, that is, for example, like I had, I had a, uh, my five-year-old was in a public charter school for a while. He's now back in Catholic school, but uh, he came to me one day and said, mom, you know, girls can marry girls. 
and I was waiting for that because I knew because there was a lesbian couple and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. But I never had to deal with that with the first generation of my kids because the first generation was raised in the 90s and, you know, in the early 2000s. This wasn't a thing back then. So now we're dealing with all this stuff. And I was able to just, without talking of any sexuality, because again, a five-year-old doesn't, isn't supposed to know about the details of sex. There's that latency period, that time of innocence. I was able to just say and appeal again to the innate understanding that a, that a human being has when they hear the truth. I said, oh, honey, where'd you hear that? And she said, well, Katie said that. Oh, well, Katie's a really sweet little girl, but she's wrong about that. Oh, well, what do you mean? Well, because God, the father, God wants every little mom, every little child to have a mommy and a daddy. And you know how sad it is when a child doesn't have a mommy or doesn't have a daddy. And we get very sad because we, we know that God wants that for each child. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So if anyone says that two mommies can get married or two daddies can get married, that's not how God wanted it because that would be very sad for that child. You know, so without even discussing sexuality, my child already knows, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. A mommy and a daddy is good. That's a good thing that each child needs and wants. And so these types of things, you can lay the foundation when they're little, and then you build on that when they become teenagers, and then you can talk about the more explicit things about how God is, how sex is made, and how, what marriage is about. Um, but so laying those little stones and those foundations, having the confidence to be able to do that without being scared of it, is, is surprisingly simple. Like, that's the other thing. It's, this is not rocket science. I keep wanting to tell parents to be confident and not to be afraid, number one, because we're commanded not to be afraid, but because it's not that difficult to teach the truth that God gave us in this world and to give to our children to hand down. It's not that difficult. So people get very confused. I don't know how to say transgender and this and, you know, pornography. And no, it's actually not that complicated. Be confident. That's what we did the book for, to make it very simple, very simple on any of these subjects to talk to your kids about, because you're the only one that is standing in the gap between your child and the culture. Man, this is powerful conversation. And because it's such good conversation, we ran out of time. All right. So we're going to wrap up the show, BC Nation, but you can go find out more about Layla at LaylaMiller.net, LaylaMiller.net. Go get her book, Made This Way. She co-authored that with the famous Trent Horn. She's famous in her own right. She just doesn't <laughs> like to brag. Now, Layla, welcome to my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the confession round. All right. Okay. This is where I'm going to ask Woo. 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't okay. overthink it. It's just for fun. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go. Layla, what's your favorite thing about God? Oh my gosh. He's so playful. Like, I don't know. I know people don't think of him that way, but he's just so playful with us. He loves us so much in a joyful way. I love that about him. What's your least favorite thing about God? He's not visible in front of my eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. What are you most afraid of? I'm afraid of, well, I'm most afraid of not going to heaven. I don't have a, an innate fear of that anymore because I have a moral assurance of my salvation, but that would be the thing I, I am most afraid of and I should be most afraid of if I'm not. <laughs> Got it. What did you spend way too much time doing in your 20s? Um, well, during one uh, few week period, I, I spent way too much time watching the O.J. Simpson trial. <laughs> Got it. What secret fear do you have about people? Oh, gosh. Um, I, 
that they'll misunderstand me. Like I hate being misunderstood and I have to do that whole thing where you're like, I, Lord, please, I don't care if I'm misunderstood. But yeah, I, I have a fear that I'll be misunderstood by others. Yeah, I get that one. What do you wish you had learned sooner about God? Uh, that I am not his equal. I have a really big ego. So I, I feel like I always thought, well, we're just buddies in this together. So whatever I'm doing, he must be approving of. <laughs> What's a new habit you want to form? Rosary. More. Uh, I, I'm really trying to get on my daily rosary. That, that has a, been a difficult habit to form. Got it. And what's a bad habit you want to break? Nail biting. Nail biting. Since I was eight, at least. Oh, young. my gosh. How do you still have nails, woman? And they're not too bad, but I don't, I don't <laughs> bite them to the quick anymore, but I still kind of take a little taste of it. Got it. Pick three words to describe who you are now. Oh, beloved daughter, uh, disciple. Wow. Like that. Pick three words to describe who you were before you experienced God in your life. <laughs> Arrogant, uh, American princess. <laughs> <laughs> wow. An AAP. Okay. Yeah. Got it. All right. And last question. If you could come back to life after you died, look your family and friends, your kids in the eyes and give them only one piece of advice. What would you say to them? Humility and obedience, humility, humility, obedience, just do what you are asked to do by God and don't think of the consequences. Wow. Love it. Any final wisdom? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about having a relationship with God? versus not if you do not have a relationship with god especially in prayer and prayer is like breathing for a christian then you will be lost to this culture there is i feel like there's no no way around that so start to pray every day make that dedicated time and, and do it bc nation i couldn't agree more with layla pray every single day not just because you'll be lost but you're gonna suffer you're going to be sad. You're going to be deeply depressed. You're going to look for meaning and purpose and, and run into a dead end and not know why you're here. And eventually that leads to really bad things like cutting yourself or taking your own life. That's why you want to pray every single day. So what's the best way, Layla, for BC Nation to get in touch with you if they choose? Sure. So um, LaylaMiller.net uh, and my email is Layla at LaylaMiller.net and uh, feel free to get in touch with me. Um, and I always love to hear from people. Fantastic. And BC Nation, do you love listening to the show Broken Catholic? Do you love guests like Layla Miller that I bring on to talk about their brokenness and what God has done in their life? If you love that, then go ahead and subscribe on iTunes if you haven't yet. And share the show with people that you love. Share it with your friends, your coworkers. Hey, have you listened to Broken Catholic? You got to listen to it. This guy talks about the real stuff, the stuff nobody's talking about, but everybody's struggling with. You got to listen to Broken Catholic. And I also want to invite you to a spiritual clarity call with me. If you're struggling in your life and you're, maybe you're winning in business, you're making all the money, but maybe you're headed for a divorce and you don't know how to avoid that and get your spouse back, this is what I coach clients on. One of my clients, he got his wife back into his life. They're madly in love again. And he avoided the super expensive divorce. Imagine what that's worth to him. Another client got his three daughters back into his life because he was unplugged from them for the last 10 years, building his business empire, trying to be a good dad who provides but not be present. 
We got his daughters back. These are, this is the healing God wants to do in your life. So if you want that type of healing, go to josephwarren.net, schedule a clarity call with me. We'll get clear on what you want in your life and if we want to work together. Layla Miller, you are a fantastic, wonderful daughter of God. Thank you for being on Broken Catholic. I would like to invite you publicly to be on the show again because I know you and I can have many conversations um, and you do it in a very engaging human way. And I really like that. So thank you for being on the show today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. God bless. God bless, Joseph. Take care. BC Nation, you cannot show up authentically in your life without building faith in your business. If you want the business side of that conversation, I have another podcast called First 100K, where I interview successful entrepreneurs about how they made their first $100,000, because that's where I believe 90% of you are stuck and you can't break through. Go to first100k.com to find out how. I'm Joseph Warren. You were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day, and I'll see you right back here next week.